welcome to the 39th episode of the Not Your Mama's Gamer podcast, a podcast where we talk about games and gaming from a feminist perspective. My name is Samantha Blackman, and I'm an associate professor here at Purdue University in wonderful West Lafayette, Indiana, where I study, among other things, uh, video games and rhetoric, video games and education. Uh, and I am joined today um, by one of our usual co-hosts, Alex Lane. Alex? What's up? Uh, my name is Alex. I am a PhD candidate at Purdue University, and I study uh, video games and professional writing. Right now, I'm working my dissertation, which is looking at uh, gender issues in the video game industry. That is what I am doing, and we are missing Nicole today. Yes, we are missing Nicole today, who is busy taking care of a sick puppy and has been at the uh, emergency vet all night. So we're sending our best out to Nicole and Zelda, who has a tummy ache, and we hope that everything is going okay. Yeah. Um, so what we're going to do is we're going to go ahead and get started, um, and we'll do our usual what you're playing, what you're reading, what you're drinking before we get into the really fun stuff. Mm -hmm. uh so alex lane what you playing um well the steam sale was uh just ended last week so um i have a lot of games that i bought and played uh start with some old stuff um played some dungeon defenders uh just a little (laughs) (laughs) um i played uh diablo 3 i did the uh the uh what is that called the trial, which is to the Skeleton King boss. Um, that was pretty fun. Um, I'm sure Sam will talk about it more because she played it more than I did. Uh, I played Botanicula, which is um, this like weird, really pretty um, indie game where you sort of, you're this, you're this group of uh, little creatures and you go around and you have to kind of try and figure out which creature to use to get past these little... Um, these little obstacles. It's really cute. It's not violent. It's a, it's a pretty fun game. Although it's, I have found it to be very difficult so far. So. It is. It is difficult because yeah. you you get diff you get differing attributes based on um, what little they 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 uh, animate these things. So there's like the little seed pod from a dandelion and mm-hmm. so so there are all these little fun things, but. They all have different abilities. Of course, the little seed pod from the dandelion has the ability to float, just like mm-hmm. the seed pod from a dandelion does. So based on what little part of nature you you choose, because you get, I think, four? You get four? Mm. That yeah, kind of walk, yeah, along right. your, walk along in your party, and you have to choose one to do different tasks to solve different puzzles based mm-hmm. on those attributes, which is really cool. I mean, and it's great for kids because they have to think about how certain things in nature behave, right? Um, and it's not violent, which is also really cool. Uh, well, it seems to be like a new trend with indie games, too, where you have multiple characters who can do different things, and then you have to choose what right. character you're going to use based on the tasks that you have at hand. Right, they're, so they're, they're playing on the adventure game genre, right, where you have, you know, where you have your mage and your uh, fighter and your uh-huh. healer and, you know... So you have all those different things, and, and that's basically what they're doing. Except they're 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 uh, turning it on its head and giving different attributes. Like you have the one that can fly, and the one that can fit in small holes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's really cool. 
Yeah, yeah. it's very cute and pretty. Yeah. I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, that's okay. I didn't know you had played it. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, I also played Dangerous High School Girls in Trouble, which is a game that Emily, a uh, friend of ours, have been, has been telling us about for, what, like a year? Yeah, probably. Um, and it's kind of, it's an interesting <laughs> game. Oh, sorry, there's my dog. Uh, it's an interesting game. You are the queen of this posse uh, or click or whatever, and you go around and you try to convince other girls to be part of your um, of your group, of your click, and then they each have different like skills, and you can level them up, and sometimes you have to sacrifice one of them to get in trouble for you in case you got in trouble for something, and you're trying to solve a mystery at your school, Something to do with the janitor, something to do with, um, it's kind of like Clue. You're like going around finding out all these different, um, all these different like little pieces to this puzzle and you have to have showdowns with people um, or you can like, uh, tr- you can like, for example, you can like try to outwit somebody, like insult them and have a good comeback. And if you like do that successfully, they'll like give you a piece to the puzzle. It's it's weird. Um, it's a, uh, it sounds yeah. a lot more interesting than the than the than the title uh indicates because i've seen it a million times and i'm like yeah i don't want to play that (laughs) yeah i i did it because it was on the steam sale for like a buck or two bucks or something and emily had been going on and on about it and i don't know you should try it you should try it because it's it's different um and it's animated like it's like the board that you're like playing on or like the school, you have like an aerial view mm-hmm. and you like see into the different rooms. So the, it actually looks like a clue board. And oh, then you like cool. can see you, there's like a symbol if there's somebody in that room that you can go talk to. Um, oh, see, I might want to check it out now. Yeah. It's, it's, it's at least worth checking out. Um, I think I also played Crusader Kings two, which um, I put plenty of time into and, <laughs> was not really able to figure out how it worked because it was very, very complex. So Emily said that she would sit down with me for a couple hours and explain how everything works. I, I, I got lost in the tutorial. And I played that tutorial for a long time. I mean, and that's saying a lot because you play a lot of strategy games. That's like all I play. But it's like my favorite stuff, at least, to play. Um, but the problem is, is that there's so many buttons and it's like really hard to see. And like the tool tips... Um, don't work or they don't have tooltips. I can't remember. Um, I think they're, they don't have tooltips. Um, and then the, they have like different sections to their tutorial. So I played through the general one and it tells you nothing basically. Um, and so I played through a couple of the more complex ones and it's still like, like, I don't have an idea of what we're supposed to like be really like doing yet, I guess. Mm-hmm. Or like how, it, cause like when you're a Civ, when you play like Civ, you're the ruler, right? And you, like, build up your civilization. But you're, like, not the ruler in this. You're, like, beyond the ruler. Because yeah. you you have to, like, have kids, and then the kids take over. I don't know. It's really weird. So, anyway, I'm going to give it a second shot, but I guess... You are, the, you are the king. You are, the you know, ordained by God, right? Yeah. But you're, okay. like... But it's weird, because you're, like, not. Because you get to, like, pick who the king is. And he dies, eventually but like you keep living. So you're like not a person. I don't know. It's weird. Um, I also played Fez, which I will talk about in the indie game of the week section. Um, I played Magicka, which was pretty fun, huh? Yeah, it was. 
I liked it. Um, and Spelunky, which I have open on my um, TV right now. Thanks a lot, Sam. <laughs> huge, huge jerk. She's been razzing me about this for like two weeks. And so I bought it. And now I'm obsessed with it. So there you go. And Dragonvale, which is a iOS, little fun iOS game that I've been playing. But uh, that's it. Just those things. Just those 59 things. I know. Your list is longer than mine, so. I know. I'm horrible. All right. So. Um, awesome. Yeah. The, the, the Steam sale is, is evil. The, the Steam summer sale is evil. Because, you know, they have all these games for 50 and 75% off. And you're like, well, I got to buy it. It's three bucks. So you end up buying like 100 games that you will never play. And, uh, or you will play if you make a bet with yourself about having to play some of them. Right. Because I said I will not buy any more Steam games until I play at least, what did I say, half the games that I bought during the Steam sale. So it means I got a whole lot of games to play. Yep, you do. (laughs) Um, (laughs) and I've started. So, um, I played what I've been playing. Um, it's been about three weeks since we recorded, believe it or not. Wow. Sorry, folks. Um, I played. Well, I had a thing last Tuesday, and then Nicole had been having that trouble with Zelda. And Nicole moved last week, too. So That's right. She moved. I forgot about that. Um, so we lost a week there. It's just it's, the it's summer, and, you know, we, get all bu- we all get busy and things get crazy. Um, I played Diablo 3. Um, which I have been loving. Um, and I sucked uh, Alex in by giving her like the, one of the trial cards that came in my, yeah, I know I'm late to the, I'm late to the party, but I had just, I got my, uh, my gaming laptop late in the summer um, and had actually gave myself some time to play some games, a few games, well, gave myself a day or two. Um and so Diablo 3 was one of the things I treated myself with um, for finishing a project. Um, and I have to say that I, I, I like Diablo 3 a lot. Um, of course, I can see, um, you know, that there are going to be shortcomings in that, you know, it's not going to hold my interest for as long as other games have. Um, simply because it does get kind of repetitive after a while. But um, considering the fact that I play a lot of games just because I need to kill stuff, Diablo 3 works pretty well for me. (laughs) Well, that's what I was kind of thinking, too. Like, um, the storyline is interesting enough, you know. It's fun. The mechanics are good. Yep. I'm not a huge fan of the camera angle. I'm not either. It was really fun. And you can't change it. No, and you can't change it. But, you know, like, overall, it was pretty fun. But really, the best part of it is it's just a lot of killing. Yeah. And there's nothing wrong with a lot of killing. Absolutely not. You know, you kill a bunch of you kill a bunch of folks. You get to the end of that dungeon. You go back and you talk to people in the city for like two minutes, and then you go out and kill a bunch of more folks in the dungeon. That's always fun. And they're always baddies you're killing. They're like, you know, skeletons and weird bloated zombies that explode into snaky, eely things on the ground. And there's lots of weird demonic stuff and people hanging from trees and. Yeah, so, you know, as long as you don't get nightmares from that kind of shit, it's always good to play. Yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, I also um, got pulled into Crusader Kings 2 uh, during the Steam sale and played a bit. And, yeah, it is it is difficult. It's got a pretty steep learning curve. Um, 
but I can see how in terms of in terms of the historical elements or just in terms of thinking about how um, monarchies and succession and religion um, and uh, marriage and familial um, kind of politics work. I can see how it could be really, really interesting. And I'm really in, I'm really kind of waiting to be able to sit down and put some more time into it. Um, so maybe when Emily sits down with you, she can sit down with me too, because yeah, yeah. I've, put, I've been playing, you know, strategy games for a really, really, really long time, like 20 plus years. And this one has me stumped. Yeah. I wonder um, if like, if you came from playing Crusader Kings, if it would make a lot more sense. Also when Emily got the game, her brother had sent her like a manual or a site or something with like a bunch of really like in-depth explanatory things so mm -hmm. that might be helpful but but yeah i agree the one of the coolest things about it is the historical accuracy um which is a lot different than civ like civ has all the elements that were historically accurate but not like timelines and things like that and actual like more complex political socio um cultural things happening yeah so. yeah which i think is what one of the things that makes it so interesting um uh been playing more Civ Five, of course, um, which I actually I like Civ Five a lot, uh, but I often don't have the kind of time to play Civ Five that you need um, because you know I've got a little one, and I'm gonna apologize now for my uh, CD drive starting to spin. Um, so I'm gonna take my CD out. <laughs> um, there we go. Sorry. Uh, and I started playing some Civ Five, and I started playing uh, because we had, and I say we as in Alex and I, and and we actually, um, I think we live streamed it um, on the site. Uh, we had set up this uh, this big uh, this big uh, multiplayer Civ Five game with me and Alex, um, and Alex's mom, and and a couple of and a couple of other folks from school slash work. Um, and so I had started playing to kind of, you know, you know, kind of doing some training before we started playing, um, so that I was, you know, comfortable in my Civ 5 skin and I haven't stopped yet because it was a whole lot of fun. Um, and playing Civ 5 multiplayer, um, the competitiveness in me comes out, uh, so I think I kind of pissed really? off. Really? I didn't know that at all. <laughs> I got a pissed off one of the folks that was playing with us because I'm very territorial and I don't want you in my space. And you were forming some alliances that he didn't appreciate. appreciate yeah. Didn't appreciate my alliance <laughs> forming as we came back and whooped his ass. Um, sorry. Uh, what else have I been playing? <laughs> um, Steam sale stuff. Reseteer. Um, which was pretty cute. It's, you know, anime style in its art. Um, but it's basically one of the, those, uh, time management slash control games where you run a store because you're this, uh, young woman whose father has disappeared. And then all of a sudden the bank shows up and says, you owe us money because your father owed us money. So you got to come up with the money or we're putting your ass in the street. So she opens the store. And, you know, it was fun for a little bit, but, you know, I need a bit more 
actiony stuff to my uh, to my games and just selling stuff in a store. Um, and you know, going around and talking to folks in town. I don't know. Uh, as much as I loved Animal Crossing on the DS, you would think that Reseteer would be right up my alley, but you know, it was fun. And I can see how it would be small fun in small increments, but yeah, I can take it or leave it. And Alex and I played Magicka. Uh, That's fun. We played Magicka multiplayer, actually, because we played uh, over the internet, even though we were sitting right next to each other. Um, and that was fun. It's, you know, adventure kind of, it's an adventure, it is an adventure game. You know, you choose your character and you go through and, um, so you're all magicians. So it's not an adventure game in terms of, you know, having players of different roles, but we were both magicians and going through and doing things. And that was a lot of fun. Um, other things I've been playing, Quantum Conundrum, um, which I bought during the Steam sale. So I'm playing on the PC rather than, rather, uh, than on, um, the Xbox. Um, and so if you haven't played Quantum Conundrum yet, um, it is designed by the young woman who, uh, did the portal games. Um, and she's no longer with a valve. Um, so, but she's made a new game called Quantum Conundrum that rather than do dealing with portals, uh, deals with dimensions. So there's like the fluffy dimension and the heavy dimension. And so things take on different attributes that you have to solve your puzzles based on the different attributes that you give to items, right? So you'll make, for example, a safe fluffy so that you can pick it up and carry it over to a trigger switch. You'll put it down on the trigger switch and then switch to the heavy dimension so that it'll actually push the trigger switch. So it's a whole lot of fun. Um, and I'm playing that one. And that's the second game. Actually, it's the second game that we're doing in our... Um, since we have so many folks that are interested in games and game studies uh, here at Purdue, we've started, uh, rather than just having a reading group, since we all tend to take courses <laughs> together and read together all the time anyway and talk about books, uh, we decided to have a gaming group where we actually get to play games, play a specific game together all at once, and then once a month get together over beer and whatever kind of food we choose to have. Mm -hmm. um, and talk about that game that we've all been playing for the last month um and quantum conundrum is our is our second game we did bastion last month and this month as in august we're doing quantum conundrum so that was going to be a lot of fun um what else i've been playing i finally broke down during the steam sale see i told you steam sale is i'm going to be begging on the street corner um uh, about tropical four um which Alex had been singing the praises of. So I played a bit of Tropical Four and I got to be, and I, I and I swear this is, I'm like, yeah, I'm a Cuban dictator. Um, so I've been playing a, a Cuban dictator, I guess, um, <laughs> in Tropical Four, which is a lot of fun. Um, not as much fun as Civ Four, uh, Civ Five, but uh, definitely interesting because I get to, you know, you get it's to different. deal with a different kind of politics, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and that's a whole lot of fun. Seems more structured than Civ. Yes, much more. But, you know, hey, you're dealing with dictators, so it's got to be right. That's right. Um, <laughs> uh, rush through these last couple. I've been playing Super Mario Brothers 3D Land on the 3DS, um, which, and I've said it a million times, and I'll say it again, 
I am actually really appreciating uh, the 3DS and the DS in general beforehand um, for this revisiting of a lot of the older platformers, um, even though they've been revamped. Why? Because I didn't play a lot of the platformers when they were out on the original consoles. Um, I played certain ones, but I was never a huge, for example, I was never a huge Mario fan. Um, until later in life. Disgust me. I know. Isn't that crazy? Until, um, well, uh, you know, for whatever reason. Um, but, you know, now that they're coming back out and I can play them on the handheld, I'm really enjoying them this time around. Um, and the last thing on my list, but probably not the last thing I played because I've been playing like crazy, um, is Spelunky. Um, and <laughs> I, I sucked Alex Lane into the Spelunky uh, madness. Um, I am really digging Spelunky. It is really hard, though. Um, you know, because you have to... I think the hardest thing is you get, like, four lives or five lives. And and you have to make it through an entire world, which has five levels within each world, on those five lives where you die. And when you die, you get bumped all the way back to world, you know, the start of the world, first level. And you start again. Like... Alex texted me when she started playing. She's like, I've died like 15 times already. I was because I, I went and looked at my stats one night because I sat down and I said, I'm going to play Spelunky for a few minutes before, you know, I go to bed. It was already late and I should have just went to bed. But four hours later, when the sun was coming up, I was still playing Spelunky. And I looked at my stats and I had died 74 times. How do you find the stats on here? I want to see that. Uh, you have to go through the little um, pause window where they bring up all the options. I'll tell you about it later. We'll walk it through. All right. Um, so I had died 74 times. Um, and I had actually made it to the fifth level of the world several times. But oddly enough, even though, and the, the one of the fun things about the game is that the, the dungeons are randomly generated. So every time you get a new level, you get a, you really get, I mean, every time you get a new level or the same level over again, you really get a new level. It's not the same. It's not the same one. So you can't just kind of run through because you know what's going on because it's randomly generated and it changes every time. Um, and I, but I kind of think that's a hoax because I got to level five of this world three different times and I thought I was going to make it through and all three times the level started in the freaking dark. Um, and I immediately got killed. If I ever make it to level five, I'll let you know. Mine's in the dark. <laughs> so, uh, that's what I've been playing. So, uh... Just those few things again? Just those few things. Just those few things. Um, in terms of reading, I have been reading some stuff, but I can't tell you what it is because I can't remember. <laughs> um... I've got a bit of a summer cold thing going on, so I'm not very clear today. Um, I think I've been reading some stuff because I've been writing some stuff. Um, you know, I've been working on, you know, my larger book project that looks at uh, tutorials, um, video game tutorials. Um, Alex Lane and I are working on a new very smart mm-hmm. um, essay on feminist game studies. Um it, which is going to be a whole lot of fun. It is definitely shaping up nice. Yeah. We're like 40% done and we haven't used a source yet. So. 
sadly. Um, and uh, I was actually, and I'm actually working on another article that looks at uh, online game, commu- online game communities and uh, research practices. So I've been reading a lot of stuff that surrounds um, community building and games, as well as you know more academic stuff in terms of research um, and some fun stuff on games in general, but I can't tell you exactly what I've been reading because I've been reading so much stuff right now. What about you, Alex? That's legit. That is totally legit. Um, Oh, I haven't been reading anything academic. Lots of articles that we've been trying to find to talk about with our... So a lot of stuff on, like, Hepler, Jennifer Hepler and... uh, Adidas Sarkeesian, the uh, woman who did the Kickstarter project for Feminist Frequency. Nice yawn there. Thank you. Sorry. Uh, so just like uh, blog articles and stuff that have to do with that. And um, not really. I'm reading a bunch of stuff about document design for my upcoming semester. But but nothing nothing even remotely game related, which is kind of depressing. Oh. I know. Besides blogs. That's summer for you, though. Yeah, that is. You know, you're not going to sit down with, like, alien phenomenology unless you want to, I don't know, start cutting yourself or something. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> Only because it's yeah. summer and that's such smart, heavy reading. That's all I meant. Uh-huh. And, uh, so, what you drinking, Alex Lang? Um, I just have some water right now. I just finished some coffee a little bit ago. Oh, boring. What are you drinking? Coffee. Uh, I'm oh, actually- boring. <laughs> <laughs> Excuse me. That's what happens when we record early in the day. I am actually drinking a uh, French vanilla iced coffee. Mm. Which is tasty. Um. Sounds good. Where'd you get that? You know, I will tell you where I got that. And this is not a setup. Um, I uh, now sponsored by Starbucks. Now sponsored by Starbucks. (laughs) I wish I would. I would. Oh God, I'd be shaken. Do you understand? But if Starbucks wants to send us nice things, I will gladly take them. And you know, Mm. uh, but uh, I am actually um, drinking um, Green Mountain. iced coffee they come the little pods they come for the keurig because i'm a keurig junkie i got a keurig at home and a keurig at the office um for making cups of coffee one at a time um, i keurig everything now i know and you can't you can keurig everything you can keurig your, your hot coffee you can keurig your iced teas you can keurig your hot chocolates and this summer they came out with iced coffees and iced teas um, and you just, they actually have a, a little Keurig and I actually got it through this, um, this online thing that I'm a part of, um, called Buzz Agent. And I have, uh, they sent me a coffee, a Keurig iced coffee, iced tea cup. Um, it's like one of the plastic cups that you get at Starbucks that look like the regular star, the clear Starbucks cups that has a lid, but it's a heavy pla- insulated plastic. So you fill it all the way up with ice and then you pop your little iced tea or iced coffee pod in your Keurig and you push the button, you know, depending on how strong you want it, the little cup or the big cup, and it brews directly over the ice. Sounds fun. Yeah. 
So you make iced coffee and iced teas by the by the by the glass, um, and then you have it in that nice little cute uh, Keurig insulated cup. Now the iced coffees have been pretty good, and I brew them I brew them in the short cup, so they're a little bit stronger. Um, it would be nice to be able to put less ice in because sometimes they get a little watered down because of all the ice. Because well, I like my coffee super strong, and that's probably you know one of the reasons why. Um, but these pods brew stronger because they're made for brewing iced coffee. So they're meant to stand up to the ice. So it's different from, you know, brewing just the regular coffee pods. Um, and I really like the iced coffees. I'm not a big fan of flavored coffees. So like the hazelnut one is just too artificially hazelnutty to me. Um, but I like just the, I'm the same. Ones. I'm the exact same way. Yeah. And, um, I was out of the plain ones today, so all I had left because I had the, I had gotten a um, like a sampler pack with different flavors in it. Um, all I had left was French vanilla and hazelnut because those were the ones I had tried one of the hazelnut ones earlier, and I was like, nah, it's still too wet, too weird. Um, so I might bring you the rest of the hazelnut ones. Well, you don't like them either. No, I don't like them. The flavored coffee kind of tastes like poison to me. Yeah. Well, the the French vanilla one because that was my other option. Um, it's actually not bad. Um, and so that's what I'm drinking. I don't like the iced teas. They don't brew strong enough for me. Mm. Um, but, uh, Lisa likes them. So oh, there you go. Yeah. They don't go to waste. <laughs> all right. Yeah. How about all the news that's fit to tell folks about? Well, we have a lot. We do have a lot of news. Because you harassed me about not putting anything in there, so I put it in everything that I found. Ah, funny. Uh, but okay. the first one's here, so do it. Um, how about we split it? Because we got a lot. I do mine, you do yours. Yeah, yeah, that's what I'm saying. The first, but the first story on here is yours. No, it's not. Oh yeah, it's not. So, uh, some news that, of course, is worth talking about is the Zynga drama. Um. And uh, in case you haven't been following, Zynga got accused of a bunch of uh, stock-type fraud. Um, and so they've been in the spotlight lately. Um, seems like they are doing some... Is it insider trading? Is that where it is? It, I think it is it's considered insider trading because their their stock dropped like dr like drastically but, but all their people had sold it right but all their people who all the people who own stock like sold it immediately before it tanked because they knew it was going to tank that's that's considered insider trading because you have this inside information that the stock is about to drop right. so and you benefit from it because you're able to sell off all your stock before you lose all your money yeah right it's just it's just really bizarre because Zynga was doing well. Did they try to go to grow too fast? I don't know what was happening. Um, mm -hmm. I don't. I don't know what happened because I can't imagine that they're like not making money, right? I mean, they're making a ton of money. They're the lead in all these different types of uh, new games uh, and microtransaction games. So I don't know what they were doing, but that's at least worth mentioning, right? Definitely. So that's happening. If you have an eye on game news at all, you'll want to check that out. Oh yeah, yeah. Oh yeah, we <laughs> talked about the uh, the the Kickstarter for the Oya oh yeah console um, at our last episode, I think, uh, because there was a Kickstarter for ninety nine bucks. You could kind of get in on the ground floor of getting one of the original or the first run of the Oya oh yeah 
Android based consoles um, that uh, that this new kind of startup company was making. Um, one of the interesting uh, news stories that came out that came out uh, this week, actually, I think a couple days ago, two days ago, I think when I say a couple, um, is that on live the game streaming service is going to be on Oya at launch. Um, so, cause people Ooh. were, which is pretty interesting because people were interested in Oya because they say, okay, Android based console. What we'll be able to do is we'll be able to play, you know, like a lot of the same games we play on our tab, on our Android tablets or Android phones on our TVs, because it'll be on this console and it'll project on your TV and blah, blah, blah. And that's kind of what people were like, oh, that's what we'll be able to do with this thing. And that's what they were thinking. But no, with the, with, uh, by teaming up with OnLive, now you'll be able to pl- play all the, you know, big ticket triple A games on this $99 console, which is it's pretty just crazy. Yeah. Yeah. You don't need a disc. You don't have to have the crazy processor power. You're just going to need a pretty good, um, and when I say pretty good, I mean a damn good, um, internet connection because I've tried OnLive, um, and for me, and we have a we have a decent internet connection in our house because I pay for a faster one because we have so many things going. I mean, we're, we're we're using Netflix and we've got multiple laptops and, you know, P maybe playing, you know, maybe watching Netflix on on something or, you know, and we've got like handheld devices and all this other stuff. Um, and, you know, and iPhones that I also could we also connect to Wi-Fi. You know, just so that we don't piss AT&T off and go over three gigs of data every month so they slow us down. I hate AT&T. I really want someone who doesn't slow my data down. But that's the story. I am so glad. I've had AT&T for like six years and last or like two months ago I switched to Sprint. Oh, man. So much better. Well, see, I still have unlimited data on AT&T. I had unlimited data too still, but, but um, it's still way cheaper. Yeah. Um, so we got all this stuff and, um, and I played on live, um, on wireless and it, it just doesn't work for me because the connection is just not fast enough. So I actually have to plug in, which means I have to sit in, you know, in my office, which is where the, uh, where the router is. Um, that's my only, you know, kind of blah part about that. I would have to, you know, in order to play online, I'd have to move my hardwire connection out of my office and into a room where a TV was in order to, to get it. Unless online is going to come up with a better way of buffering um, somehow. But that's yeah. really weird. Hmm. Um, another interesting thing is that, uh, you know, Steam Guru uh, Gabe Newell is calling Windows 8 a catastrophe for PC game developers. Um, so join the club. <laughs> join, join the club. So uh, Steam slash Valve is going to be doing more to support um, Steam on Linux uh, with the next iteration of Windows coming out. And I'm like, that's pretty interesting because we we've seen this happen with a Windows uh, with a version of Windows before. What was it? Was it Windows? Uh, was it Windows? ME you decided was it was ME. Was it ME or XP? It was one of the two that was so horrible that nobody switched from the old version until the new version came out uh, because it just did not support a lot of programs well. 
Um, and it looks like somehow Microsoft is, is creating that same clusterfuck again with Windows 8 because developers are already complaining about Windows 8 and, and how, how it's working with their, with their games. Um, so it'll be pretty Why do they do this? Why don't they do some sort of usability with the people who are actually going to be using the product? It makes no sense to me. It, that would, they it would be nice if they thought about doing that, wouldn't it? But they're Microsoft, and they think that, you know, people are going to bend over backwards to work with them. But Gabe Newell's like, yeah, fuck you. I'm going to give people a chance to go to Linux. Um, That's pretty cool. Uh, which is which is pretty interesting, but that just means for me, I won't switch over to Windows 8. I'll just run Windows 7 until people stop supporting it, and then at that point, I'll do something else. Yeah, me too. Yeah. What else you got? Um, next up, we have a uh, story about D3 bugs. If you're a big D3 player, my hunch is that you've been hearing about this over and over and over and over there's all sorts of exploits and, you know, and of course, like, this stuff always happens with big games that come out, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, this one, this particular one that I was looking at was about Wizard Invincibility. Um, and then there's a Barbarian one that made people invulnerable, and even in multiplayer games. So, um, it's not totally surprising, but they said that you can email um hacks at blizzard.com to report any any sort of um exploits that you mm. that you find so uh not not super interesting but it's been ongoing and in, in the news a lot lately about all these different uh diablo 3 issues so there you go cool mm-hmm. uh and there's been a this one's interesting well yeah it is there's been a new study um, that just came out of um, of Deakin University, that's D-E-A-K-I-N, in uh, Melbourne, Australia, uh, that tells us something that we've heard before. Um, and, and it's a pretty interesting bit, is that children, they're looking at preschoolers, right? Um, oh, I thought we were doing the next one. The next oh. one's interesting. This one's... Yeah, we've heard this before, I think, right? right. Yeah, I mean, yeah. a million times, right. The preschoolers, and they're looking at three to six-year-olds who play interactive games, um, and they're talking about games like games that you play on the Wii, right? And, and we've already found that this holds true with kids that play games, period, um, have uh, better motor skills, right? And here they're talking about hand-eye coordination kinds of skills, um, like... Um, and well, body eye coordination skills is what they're talking about, like kicking and catching and throwing a ball, right? The, all these kinds of things that are improved um, by uh, by their playing of uh, interactive games like games on the Wii. Now, what's interesting is is that hand eye coordination in general is better um, with kids who play games uh, because they have to one, be able to coordinate what their hands are doing with what they see going on on the screen in a, in a certain way. Um, and, and we already know, another thing that we know is that hand-eye coordination is also improved by playing ball sports, um, which is generally why, or historically why, um, boys have better hand-eye coordination than girls. Why? Because, unfortunately, people still auto- or almost automatically put their boys in um, sports as young as they possibly can with peewee sports 
like football and soccer and baseball and so on. But girls don't get those chances necessarily because people don't automatically kind of think, oh, I'm going to put my daughter in peewee sports. Um, so boys have historically had better hand-eye coordination. And one of the things that we've noticed since kids have started playing video games more is that we now see that girls are getting, um, that girls are getting better hand-eye coordination because why? They're playing video games. Um, so this study's not really anything new, but it's pretty interesting that they're thinking more about body-eye coordination uh, than just hand-eye coordination because they're look they've been looking at kicking and catching and throwing balls, um, so things that involve more than just the hands, um, and uh, because they're looking at using the Wii and not just a, a video game that uses just a handheld controller, but something that uses kind of the entire body. So I imagine that while this study looks at the Wii, it would also kind of hold true for using the Kinect, right? Because your body is the controller in that case. Um, so it's pretty interesting. Um, I think what was another interesting thing is, is that the study, um, there were more girls than boys in the study. Um, so of course, you know, we have some different advantages going on there. Yeah, that's, that's very interesting. Remember that uh, person we saw? Ah, never mind. Never mind. We'll, we can talk about that later. It's just a funny joke about having more girls than boys in your game study. Yeah. <laughs> um, the next thing we have on the list is uh, Sony Santa Monica has come out and said that the new God of War uh, game, God of War Ascension, does not feature violence against women. Right, because there was this big hullabaloo after E3 and all the gameplay videos um, that came out of God of War Ascension after at E3 um, about violence in the game. That's not a surprise. I mean, God no, of War has always, always, always been gratuitously violent. Um, it's one of the reasons I don't play God of War games. I mean, yeah, I like violent games. Don't get me wrong. I like shooting stuff. I like stabbing stuff. I like ripping people apart with my bare hands. But there's just something about God of War. One is, so I think it's a compound thing. It's the gratuitous violence. It's all the extra blood one that you get in God of War. And it's the way that women are characterized in God of War, right? You know, the sex mini games and Kratos sleeping with multiple women all at the same mm. time. Um, you know, but we don't see any extra men getting thrown in that bed. Um, you know, so you got all kinds of interesting things that happen and it compounds in God of War, which, you know, just makes it, it it's for me, it's just like, okay, guess what? You're not getting my money. I'm, I'm not, I'm speaking with my wallet here. I'm, you know, that's 60 bucks you're not getting. Um, so I don't know why people are so surprised at the violence and it's not like the violence or the treatment of women is anything new. Um, in God of War. But what I think is really interesting is somehow after all this time, now the developers are hearing it. Now the producers are hearing it because what actually gets said with the, um, with the new, with this, with this new article, I think it makes it really interesting is that after E3, um, the design manager, David Hewitt, comes out um, and tells, he actually tells IGN in an interview that, you know, the game's not going to feature any violence toward women now. 
not that it would never was going to. Yeah, but, it, they they actually say in this article that you posted that they changed it because of the reaction they got in right, the street, right? We pulled back from a lot of things, right? That there was this issue, you know, he says, I think the quote is, I think where uh, this has been an issue is with violence against women. The teams pulled back from some of that and assess that a little more carefully, end quote. What? <laughs> it's like, you had to have this big hubbub in order to say, maybe we shouldn't just walk around randomly and killing women in this gratuitously violent way. Uh, of course, sexualized as well, right? Maybe we need to rethink that. It's very interesting that it happens <laughs> at, this, you know, at this point because it's been going on all along, which, you know, makes us hopeful. At the same time. For sure. Maybe everyone in the gaming industry really is just stupid and they haven't been told <laughs> that the stuff they do is really offensive. Who knows? Who knows? Right. Or, you know, maybe other people are speaking with their wallets and it's finally starting to hit closer to home and be like, well, I'm just not going to buy your freaking game. Um, but I think that that was pretty interesting. So, you know, hats off to the development team there for actually listening a little bit. Still not buying the game, but hey, it's maybe it's getting better. Indeed. Indeed. <laughs> um, the next thing on our list is that uh, the uh, Apple versus Samsung litigation is just blown up all over the place to the oh, point yeah. where their Galaxy tablet is banned in Europe. Very yeah. interesting, huh? Uh, you know, I, I, was, I actually was reading up on that a news story and saw it um, like on one of the news outlets, uh, television news outlets yesterday. I think that they've that has that injunction been extended to the U.S. because it's like the Galaxy Seven tablet. I that you know Apple is saying basically you stole our iPad. Right, exactly. As of uh, July twenty fourth, which is the most recent one I have, it hasn't been extended to the U.S. Okay, I saw something yesterday and I thought maybe it had been. So that's something we might want to double check on. Yeah. Maybe. <laughs> um, is that uh, yeah? So there's like you stole our iPad and um. The courts came back and said, "Yeah, you stole their iPad, or while we're at least while we're thinking about this, you or you may have stole their iPad. While we're thinking about this, you can't sell this tablet." Mm-hmm. Which is pretty interesting. It's really interesting, especially with like the um, animosity of tablet users against people who use Apple already. Yeah. I mean, there's a serious hatred. If you, even if you like go look at the uh, the uh, notes on these news stories, they're always like, you know. F you, Apple, you are just a piece of crap, blah, blah, blah. So, like, the people who buy these tablets often already hate Apple, and now Apple's suing them, yeah. and it is just, yeah, it's super interesting, I think, how it's just, like, blowing up. Yeah, I think it's really interesting. Huh. Oh, well. Yeah. yeah. Um... Well, no, I'm just, I just, I, I Googled it because I wanted to know, because I knew I had just seen it. Yeah, the injunction um, is in the U.S. as well. And as of three hours ago, uh, the U.S. Court of Appeals for the Federal Circuit uh, issued a continuation for the temporary stay on Apple's injunction against the Samsung Galaxy. Galaxy. Mm. So you can't buy one in the U.S. either. Oh, well, there you go. Huh. No Samsung Galaxy for you. That's pretty crazy. I know. Um, a, a kind of a sad story um, is that uh, 
some gamers got together, folks got together and started a site uh, for gamers against bigotry. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't remember. We didn't. I, we, I know we didn't talk about it on the sh- on the show, um, but they started this site so that you could go in and pledge. You know, you were pledging to you know to clean it up, right? To you know not use the racial slurs, not use the kind of misogynistic language, you know, in online spaces when you're playing games, right? So that you know, one people can get their voices heard, and that you know. It, there was some show of support in the community, which was which was an interesting thing, and it was actually the site is actually called Gamers Against Bigotry. Now, unfortunately, so they had gotten all of these people who come in and sign these pledges, right? Um, and then, of course, what happens? The site gets hacked. The site gets hacked, and the hackers like delete all of the pledges, um, and and not just hacked once, but repeatedly hacked. Right, and they they take down all the the people's signatures who have, who've made these pledges. They start putting up kind of grotesque, racist, and sexist images uh, on the signature page, um, so that folks can't come in and sign the pledges. And so basically, in essence, the hackers take the site down. So now the people who started the site, Gamers Against Bigotry, um, have started um, an Indiegogo page to uh raise money so that they can build a site because i mean these these were people who were building this site kind of on their own um so they didn't have the kind of necessary security to um and and didn't think that they would need it necessarily to uh kind of fend off these these kind of hacker attacks so now they're trying to raise money to rebuild their site and kind of raise awareness for gamers against bigotry I think it's it's you know it's a noble cause, it's a noble cause. Um, so uh, they've got I just checked it out. They've got at this point thirty nine hours left on their Indiegogo uh, fundraising cause, and they wanted to raise seven hundred dollars. Um, and so far they've raised uh, three thousand one hundred and forty six dollars, which is good. Yeah. Could be better, but it's not horrible. It could be better, but it's not horrible. No. Um, for I mean, especially for what it is, right? Yep, absolutely. And hopefully the more the word gets out there, the, they'll, they'll get more. Yeah. Um, if you've been following the 720, um, then there are a bunch of, which is the next generation Xbox, a bunch of the uh, development kits, some pictures and images and videos and things have uh, came online and someone uh, tried to sell it for $10,000, which is really interesting because everyone thought it was just a big hoax, right? Um, but they, I guess they are legitimate and uh, it looks, I don't know. I don't think it looks super impressive. Did you check it out at all? Uh, no, I didn't. Yeah, it doesn't look super impressive. It's just like a well, box. It's a dev kit, so. Yeah. And the code along with it is also floating around out there. So, um, yeah. So, who knows? We'll keep an eye on that see how the 720 develops. I'm very interested to see how um, how the next-gen consoles look and how they are received and things like that, since a lot of people are sort of banking on the idea that consoles are not going to be a thing of the future anymore. 
they are not going to exist. So who knows? Who knows what will happen with that? Mm-hmm. Um, and then the last news story we have uh, is I, from this article that Apple has this sort of sneaky patent that patents. Now I'm probably going to get this wrong, but it's you know it's close to this. So they patented the idea of a universal remote connecting to an NFC, which is near field communication device, which is like the ability to pair something that's near something else. Okay. Mm-hmm. So like, like your, like your uh, controller being paired to your Xbox or whatever. So they patented this technology, uh, which will allow the iPod, iPad, uh, I, uh, phone or whatever to be a game controller. And um, if you, Theoretically, you'd be able to to connect any kind of controller to the console, to any kind of console, through this proximity of the iPhone, mm. um, which I think has a lot of really interesting potential for t- some huge money-making in the future. So, Well, they've already got, it's not serving as a game controller, but it can already control your Xbox. There's mm-hmm. an app for your, you know. And your, and your TV and all of that stuff. Right. Yeah, and so, and your like your Directv satellite box and yeah. Mhm. Mhm. Oh. So interesting. 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 And that's all. Awesome. News of the week. Okay. We power into it. That was a lot of news. That was a lot of news. <laughs> all right. Indie game of the week. What you got, Alex? Uh, indie game of the week is Fez. Um, if you have been alive for the last ten years, you've probably heard about fez um it was the near vaporware that uh um it kind of is vaporware at least was for a very very long time uh Uh, uh, kept getting announced and shown and sam was a you tell your story you saw it a long time ago right lord i saw fez in like the indie game challenge at gdc it must have been 2007 um, and I played it then, which and it was really cool, and I was anxious to see it, and I was anxious to play it, and I wanted it to come out. But you know, five years later, mm-hmm. um, I, I did play it, uh, but it just didn't hold the same fascination for me, because at, at the same time, as you know, is that it's been five years since I saw it, and it plays exactly the same as it did five years ago, pretty much. You know, so I was like, where's something new? <laughs> and uh, so, I mean, I guess if I hadn't played it, you know, back in 2007, I may have been more amenable to it. But you loved it. Um, I absolutely loved it. I thought it was so fun. But I didn't see it five years ago and get all excited for it. If I had been excited for it for years, I probably would be kind of pissed off by now. Um, but I thought it was so unique um, I haven't really played a game like this. And I, what I think is super cool about it is that it totally works on your spatial reasoning, reasoning abilities because you have to find, if, if you're not familiar with Fez, you're this little dude and you have to, um, <coughs> move around and pick up these, these little cubes and you don't, you know, shoot things and blow things up and stuff like that. What you do is you move around and you rotate the world because you are, this three-dimensional dude living in a two-dimensional world, and you get this hat that makes everything three-dimensional. Um, so you can, like, 
no one else can see that the world is three-dimensional except you. So you, like, try to rotate the world in a way that lines... You could, like, rotate it a couple times so that it lines up some stairs or something like that, right? So um, I just... I haven't played anything like it before, and I... I think it's so much fun. It's it's hard though. Also, it's it's hard. Um, but um, yeah, I've I have been having a ton of fun playing it, and I've been playing a lot of new games lately. And that one's definitely stood out to me. So um, it's on XBLA. I Which think it's is, like twelve hundred points. Yes, I think twelve hundred points. But you also have to be aware of the fact that there is a game breaking bug um, in the code. Uh, and the developer at Xbox or Microsoft have no intention of fixing it. So if you're going to play the game, um, you may want to go online and try to figure out where it is, what it is, so that you don't do that and lose all your progress. I thought that they already fixed that. No. Hmm. Nope. I may be wrong. No, I doubt it, but... <laughs> yeah, they're saying, yeah, it's of June looks like oh. so you have to be careful of that yeah it's so. definitely something to at least download the demo for and check it out and see how you like it it may be right up your alley it may just be awesome <laughs> so our issue of the week um, is an interesting one <laughs> um, sure. given that we've just gone through all of our cons. Except Gen Con. Except Gen Con. Which is coming up uh, in a couple of weeks. And uh, we're going to head out to Gen Con at least for one day. Uh, in a couple of weeks uh, to check out some things and talk to some folks and come back and tell you what we saw. Because unfortunately Gen Con falls right during... Um, our orientation week, so we'll miss that yeah. part. Uh, we'll miss the we'll miss the part that falls during the work week, because we out of work. Uh, but we got the weekend, uh, so we'll come. We're going to check out Gen Con and come back and tell you what we saw. But uh, of course, the, one of the biggest things about cons that keeps coming up over and over and over again is, of course, everybody's favorite booth babes. Um, and everybody's favorite, <laughs> uh, everybody's favorite. but you know, there's been some interesting things about, you know, booth babes. And, and recently there's been a, an, uh, there was a, an interview that came out or an article that was published in Jezebel online of confessions of a sometimes booth babe, um, which I thought was really interesting. And, and, and I'm going to start out and kind of and, and tell you why the notion of booth babes is such a difficult one for me. Um, because I am so strongly feminist, um, the, the notion of uh, booth babes, which, you know, who I would actually, in, in the way that most of them are constructed and the outfits that they wear and the things that they are asked to do are sex workers of a sort. Right. And not that they that that they do any perform any sex acts uh, physical sex acts as in, you know, have sex with people. But in the same way that um, strippers or exotic dancers are also sex workers. Right. 
I mean, the way that, I mean, you've seen, booth babes have, have been tamed out a lot in recent years. Mm -hmm. But if you had seen booth babes at earlier cons or have seen booth babes at earlier cons, um, you know, who are dancers or the booth babes, and they could be called booth babes that they had, for example, at the Duke Nukem um, demo at, you know, at the first con where they, they did the game announcement, they, they were strippers. Right. Those are sex workers. Right. And I think that women, if they are not coerced into by um, in any way by, you know, drug addiction or coerced into doing this kind of work because, you know, they need money for drugs or that is their only answer and only way that they can feed themselves or children. Then, I mean, those are situations where all of these other kind of um, elements are coming into play that are inequitable and are forcing women into sex work. That's problematic for me. But if women are choosing these things just because they want to do them, um, I think that they should be able to, and I don't have a problem with them. Um, and that's a very, very, very fine line, right? Yeah, and, and I understand that. Um, and it's a very fine line for me even because I waffle back and forth on, on, you know, you know, on what I am, and I won't say what I find, what I deem acceptable, because it's not up to me to find it acceptable or not. But, you know, what I deem in my mind as being um, something. Exploitative? Exploitative, right. Um, and what's not. Um, so, uh, like I said, it, it's a fine line and it's a real gray area. So I, this is going to be a difficult conversation for me. Uh, anyway, but the the woman of the who does this interview in Confessions of a Sometimes Booth Babe is a script writer, um, uh, doesn't appear to have any kind of drug addiction or doesn't admit to um, and doesn't do the booth babe work because that's the only way that she has to feed her family or feed her children or feed herself. But more because she wants to and she enjoys the work and she sees it as being good paying work for a, 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 a short amount of time. Right. And she seems to to go into it eyes wide open and say, you know, the clothing is uncomfortable. I got to do this. Like sometimes I got to deal with guys who are groping me, um, you know, mm. all of that. But she's but she's going into this eyes wide open. Right. And she's making a conscious decision, which, you know, for me, I think is a is a is a bit. I, I see I'm about to say acceptable and it's not up to me to be acceptable It's not say something's acceptable, but it's not, it's not being exploitative. Right. Um, and in other situations, you know, these things are sometimes exploitative. Right. Um, so like I said, this is going to be a difficult conversation for me. Um, cause I, I, I've got this, in, it's interesting feminist gray area that I, I waffle on even. Um, and, and my, views on it change every day more and more every day and and like i said especially especially being the mother of a daughter right uh because you know i sit back and and i and i say you know my partner asks really crazy questions like okay so would you want your daughter to do that and i'm like well hell no my daughter's not gonna do anything but you know that's because she's my daughter not because she's a woman and I think it's problematic, but because I think she's going to be locked in the closet until, you know, she's old enough to marry at 35. Yeah. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Good luck with that. Good luck with that. I know. <laughs> I know. I fully, I fully understand. 
I mean, because I mean, I've had my moments. I've I I had a summer where you know where the the our building on campus was being substantially renovated. So uh, a colleague and I worked together every day at the bookstore, like in town. Um, and one of the closest and most decent places to eat was Hooters, which was literally right out in the parking lot. So we would go to Hooters for lunch every day. Um, you have never told me that. Yes, we would. <laughs> We would go to Hooters for lunch every day. And it was a very interesting experience because we would actually sit and talk to the women who worked there about what their experiences had been like um, working at Hooters and why they worked at Hooters. And, you know, so it was kind of this interesting conversation. And you find that a lot of women did have these kind of feminist views, but would never call themselves feminist and would and, you know, and like most women because of the kind of baggage that goes along with being quote unquote feminist. Yeah, that's, what, that's one of the things the too I find when you talk to someone who has that like a, like sort of a different kind of lifestyle that the, that traditional feminists or 30 years ago feminists like beat up on is, you know, Oh, anyone who works at Hooters is just drug addicted and being yeah. abused by everyone in her life. And you say things like that and then that pushes them away from, you know, connecting with any sort of feminist movement, and then you would actually talk to them, and you're like, oh, you very much align with feminist views, right? Uh -huh. But but they're just so turned off to that life, that they're so turned off to it because your lifestyle gets criticized all the time, yeah. Yeah. Sorry, keep going. No, you're absolutely right. I mean, so it's it's pretty interesting. It's pretty interesting. And, and like I said, eh. Booth babes. I mean, I've I've seen some interesting things in terms of booth babes. I mean, I've seen some booth babes that, yeah, they are pretty exploitative, right? I mean, do we really? I mean, because there's a larger issue, right? And that's that's what I say when I talk about circumstances. When we start talking about booth babes at cons, there are there are other things going on at cons that we have to consider, right? We have to consider like, you know, the rates and incidences of sexual assault at tech conferences and cons we've got to consider you know the fact that a lot of these women are being groped and are being i mean they're being groped they're being assaulted you're being sexually assaulted right um they're being stalked i mean we've got all these kind of crazy things that go on at cons and i think that in many ways booth babes at cons are more problematic because they lend to a culture that sees these things, these actions, these assaults as being, if not necessarily acceptable, then being acceptable to be swept under the rug. Right. So yeah, there it, is it's, more, it, it's more of a, the presence of scantily clad women running around is less a problem with scantily clad women running around than it is indicative of much, much larger cultural issues in the yeah tech. yeah absolutely absolutely i mean and i mean and that's exactly what we're what we're, what we're dealing with here right mm -hmm. you know is that you do have these incidences and and one of the things like there was um an issue an issue there was an article in kotaku yesterday that at um the china joy gaming expo in shanghai that a young man jumped on the stage and here's the, here's the, here's the kicker, right? With 
a bouquet of flowers made of money, right? And offered it and his love to one of the booth babes that he had been stalking, right? So, I mean, does he think he can buy her, like physically her, right? Her body with this bouquet of money. Um, I mean, so that kind of adds to that, that thought that, see, booth babes are something to be bought, does, I mean, does that make sense to you? Yeah, well, I mean, in it, his mind, it, it plays it plays off of uh, it plays off of that. <coughs> was it, who was it? E A? I forgot who it was. Who did the uh, the the capture a moment of lust with a booth babe? Right. And then you win this prize, right? So you're supposed to go and yeah. it, well, they say you weren't supposed to sexually assault a booth babe, but if you read the flyers, it certainly sounded like that, right? So right, it's like this idea prove, that you had sex with a booth babe basically was, I mean, and what booth babe is really going to agree to have sex with you. So it doesn't say don't sexually assault her. It just says if you can prove you had her, right? Yeah, it, yeah, it, it was like that, if, you, if you can capture a moment of lust with a booth babe, then you'll get a night of lust or something like that. Yeah. Um, but it's sort of like that. So it's like a, it's like this is a plaything that you can purchase or do what you want with mm-hmm. or whatever mm-hmm. and it's it's too bad too because you see like like i have friends who go to these cons um who love dressing up in whatever fantasy character uh, or x-men character or whatever they like dressing up and they like going around and you know and i'm sure it's nice to have women like female faces at these cons too that like work for the companies mm-hmm. and you can be there and you know demo products and stuff like that mm-hmm. but there's like you see some of the quote unquote booth babes and they'll be wearing, you know, khaki skirts and a black polo, just like the men are wearing khaki shorts and black polos. Mm-hmm. Um, but then you, and then you have some who are dressed in character and then you have some who are just wearing no, you know, basically nothing. Yeah. And, and it, in it's short, sort of indicative of the different, because it's a, like you were saying, it's a super complex issue and yeah. you can't make sweeping generalizations about this is okay. This isn't, um, you know, et cetera, et cetera. It's like a context-based thing. But anyway, I'm sorry, I interrupted again. No, you're absolutely right. I mean, and that's something that we have to we have to to think about, right? Because it goes back to that question of, you know, what's what's ex, what's being exploitative and what's not, right? You know, if people choose to dress up in these costumes um, and go to cons, it's cosplay, right? You know, but then how much does cosplay also add to that kind of um, culture of sexual abuse of women in these in these contexts? So we have to think about all these kinds of things. I mean, it's it's not just. I mean, that's why I said it's a, a very complex thing because it's not just the booth babes, but there are all these other things that surround it, right? What's acceptable, you know, in in people's eyes, and what is not. Um, there's definitely, there's definitely something. And for some people, cosplay is more acceptable. Why? Because the people who dress for these cons and go as consumers rather than as models are a part of the community. And oftentimes, I mean, to be perfectly honest, a lot of the booth babes are not a part of the community. They're not gamers. They're not into comics they're not into board games they're not yep. games of any sort they are just hired models right 
Um, and then they find themselves, just like the woman in the, in the article, and we'll post a link to some of these articles, um, that it does the Confessions of the Booth Babe, or sometimes Booth Babe article, is that then they find themselves kind of accosted by these mm -hmm. gamers that are like, you're not a part of the community, you shouldn't be here, can you answer these questions, blah, 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 blah. So they, it becomes a hostile environment for them in, in a number of ways. It's hostile from, you know, the assholes to think that it's okay and acceptable for them to grope them. And then it becomes a hostile environment from the assholes that think it's okay for them to, you know, hit them over with a barrage of questions and then tell them that they shouldn't be there, right, when they're doing a job. They get into a situation where because they are being hired as an outside just for their looks, they constantly, women in general, including them, have to constantly prove that they belong there. Right. That, that they're not just these token representations. And then they're already put into this role of being objectified because it's like, well, you're not here for the games. You're not here to peddle these products. You are here for me to look at. Right. And so I will. I mean, and that was interesting because after... It was after E3, and I think we talked about it after E3, is Aisha Taylor, um, who is, um, she's in, she's, she does a number of things. She's an actress. Um, she does the voice work for one of the characters in the Archer comic series. Um, she's on a talk show on television. She's done, I think, some small bit work on television and in films. Um she does uh she does an interesting i've never listened to it i've seen it um and i keep meaning to listen to it she does a podcast that's like what guys want or what guys like or something but it's about products or things um that you might buy for a guy is what it is um it, it seems pretty interesting i'm gonna have to check it out because i keep telling myself you know you really need to at least download a couple of episodes and give it a chance see what it is uh, but she went to E3, and after E3, she wrote this long, um, she wrote this long article about the fact that she gone to E3. She's a young, she's a young, well, young-ish, probably in her thirties, um, black woman who games. She's an avid gamer as well, um, and she had gone to E3, and she talked about the fact that she, you know, was being told, you know, basically being treated like she didn't belong there. Um, so she had to she wrote this this long article about who she was as a gamer and why she had every right to be a part of the gaming community um and it showed up on facebook and and uh after that which i think is really interesting because like you said it's it's not just about booth babes and booth babes don't just um call negative attention to themselves at these cons but also mm. to all women who go to the con and that too is problematic. So, I mean, for me, you know, booth babes as sex workers, if the situation is right, is fine in a vacuum, right? But right. when we start thinking about the way that it all gets contextualized into this huge, horrific problem that is kind of gender politics at cons and tech conventions, mm -hmm. that's when it becomes definitely more problematic. Yeah. Yeah, I think, I think you're... You said exactly what I would have said. Um, and yeah, I, I think, I don't know what would, uh, probably never an issue that's going to be perfect that you can like go to a conference and be like, wow, all of the ways women were being treated in the gaming industry is perfect, right? Because everyone has their own opinions and 
there's a lot of different types of people. Um, but I think that when the industry-wide exploitation of women, because this is industry-wide, you have huge companies that do this, um, when that stops happening, then I think it will be less of a problem. So if, then if, you know, if women show up in whatever, in some sort of costume, your first reaction or the first reaction of the men there aren't to assault her, attack her verbally or physically or whatever, Mm -hmm. because they're not, because the idea of this woman there for, as a plaything for you doesn't exist anymore because women aren't treated like that in the industry anymore. Um, then I think we will have moved to a much, much better level. Um, and hopefully we'll bring along with it many other changes <laughs> for women in the industry. Yeah. I yeah, like, absolutely. Yeah. So I think it'll be interesting to, uh, to get at, to get to, uh, Jen Khan and, and check out because you know a lot of the cons have uh, have kind of denounced the use of booth babes in recent years. But then, of course, there's always folks that get around it in some way or another. Um, because I uh, I remember, um, for example, last time I was at GDC, you know, they weren't there weren't booth babes as booth babes, uh, but they had, for example, there was one booth uh, where they were doing motion capture and they had hired. Um, very attractive and very shapely women um, to wear skin tight motion capture jumpsuits um, and kind of dance around to demonstrate how the motion capture worked um, in very kind of uh, erotic or erotic or eroticized ways. So there's always kind of ways that people are getting around booth babes because in that case she was not a necessarily a model but she was a part of a she was a part of a demonstration. Do you understand what I mean? Yeah, and that's hard too like for other women then who want to go there and do these things, but you know, if like if like you know, one of someone went and wanted to like try the motion capture stuff out because everyone's so used to being like, "Oh, they strip tease and you you know you can't like go even go participate in these things right because of this huge narrative that's already happening before you even get there and that sucks that sucks for women yeah absolutely sorry i had to mute while i coughed i was like what you didn't respond and now i'm worried that i said something wrong no (laughs) yeah well i think uh on that note, that's about all we have for Booth Babes this week. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was fun. Yeah. Good topic. Um, so, <clears throat> uh, our deals this week for broke-ass gamers. There is not a lot of stuff out there on the uh, tail of the Steam Summer Sale. Um, and, of course, the Steam Bad. Summer Sale was super late this week, and people were having a fit. And it was, as we said, talked about last time, doing crazy terrorist videos for Gabe Newell because they were taking so long with the Steam Summer Sale. But the week, <clears throat> excuse me, <laughs> excuse me, even before the Steam Summer Sale, uh, Amazon had their Summer Sale for, da- for like, PC game downloads. So there's, you know, been a lot of sales going on. Um, there's some, some small things that are on sale at Steam. Um, the, what is it, the new 
political game. Uh, it's a political sim. And I can't remember the title of it. It is on sale at Steam right now. Um, nothing great. Just some kind of obscure stuff. And it's not even a great sale. They're not even necessarily uh, great sales in terms of saving you lots of money. Amazon has 30% off of sports games. So in case you are living somewhere like us here in the... Uh, <laughs> Bible Belt, where it's been 3,497 degrees every day, yep. uh, except for today where it's a little cooler, um, you can uh, actually play some sports game inside because you definitely can't play them outside. Um, and everybody seems to be getting ready for the release of Skylanders Giants. So if you go to Target or Target.com, you can get Skylanders figures or accessories by to get one free. Or if you buy um, Kingdom Hearts 3DS, you get a $10 Target gift card. Toys R Us has Skylanders and the accessories. Buy one, get one 40% off. And if for some strange reason you have not yet bought Lego Batman 2, um, so that you can play as Batman, Robin, and all the other fun superheroes, you go to <laughs> Toys R Us and buy it, and you get a free Lego kit up to with a value of up to $19.99 for buying the game. Um, and Legos are a lot of fun and super expensive now, but that's a whole nother story. Mm -hmm. um, and if you pre-order Skylanders Giants at Toys R Us, you get a free legendary trigger happy um, for your current version of Skylanders. So that's about all we got for deals for broadcast gamers. This mm -hmm. week. But there's some interesting stuff out there if you're really looking for something to spend your money on. Or you can wait for the fall when all the great games are dropping. Save your money now. Save your pennies. Um, so that you can buy multiple games, come, especially when, in October with all the great games like all the uh, Assassin's Creed's drop. All right. <laughs> So, uh, that's about all we have for this week. Once again, we're sending our best out to Nicole and Zelda. I hope Zelda's feeling better really, really soon. Yeah. Um, and Nicole will be back with us next time. Um, so, don't worry, folks. Nicole's not going anywhere. Uh, see, and Harley threw in his bark to say, He's tells, like, yeah. Tell Zelda to feel better. <laughs> yeah. um, so, until now, oh, well, all the ways you can reach us, folks. Definitely friend us on Facebook so you can jump into the conversations there and get any great announcements about new blog posts or new episode postings and just things in general. Um, you can follow us on Twitter at NYMGamer. Um, you can send us an email, send us a voicemail, um, any of those great things at NYMGamer at gmail.com. And between episodes, if you just want to see what really smart and pithy things we have to say about uh, games and the gaming community, um, check out the Not Your Mama's Gamer blog at nymgamer.com. Um, there you can also find a link on how to buy a Not Your Mom, your own, very own Not Your Mama's Gamer t-shirt. Mm -hmm. well, and this is a great time. It's back to school time. Everybody needs new t-shirts to go back to school. That's buy a t-shirt. Right. Help support the cause. Um support the cause in it as in you know you know web hosting and all that other fun stuff um <clears throat> so that is and that is about it uh so until next time stay cool stay hydrated and as always game on game on <laughs>